I, I really feel like if you're watching online, particularly if you're in the house, um, I really feel like I need to start this whole series, and I mean this genuinely, and you can laugh at it if you want to, but I really genuinely feel like I need to start this series with an apology. And the reason I say that is because I'd rather just go ahead and apologize up front, because sometimes I just think I have this gift, and the gift is to offend people. And the reason I think it's a gift is because I can offend people without even trying. You know, it's not, it, like I don't lay at home going, oh, this will really get on their nerves. This, this is where I'm going to go with this. No, in the attempt to share truth and in the attempt to navigate through this thing called life, man, it is, blows my mind how easy it is to offend. And, and I wish I could tell you some of the crazy stories of little th- I've offended people by certain clothes I've worn. I mean, come on, guys. I, it's just so easy. Uh, and so I just decided it must be one of my gifts. Uh, and and it's, been, it's been really crazy during COVID more than ever before. Um, do you guys feel the same way? Does it just feel like we're more on edge than ever before? And maybe rightfully so. But it just feels like, wow, we are so easily offended. Uh, uh, and, and of course, as Christians, <laughs> some Christians, none of you that are in the room, of course, but some Christians, um, I love how passive-aggressive we can be about being offended. You, you know, like... like like things like on, you know, social media is the perfect way to be passive aggressive. Because it's easy to say, oh no, I was just making a statement. Like, I can't believe he's canceling church. But you go to my church, so who is that supposed to be directed to? You know what I'm saying, right? Uh, and, 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 and of course, it comes with one of those scriptures like... Um, This is the time for the church to arise, not to sink in fear. You know, just passive-aggressive kind of stuff. You guys know, right? You know what I'm talking about? This no kidding happened. I'll share this one, and this is going to kind of go out there because I'm going to offend the person this happened to if they're watching, but I guess you're just going to have to deal with it because here it comes. There was somebody sitting right over there at the table right in back of you guys, AJ and Lisa, and and, and, and they came in without a mask, and, and I thought, oh, man, I'm going to have to be the bully. And, and, and then I thought, no, nah, they just forgot they didn't have the mask on. So I waited till the first song was over, and I was getting ready to turn the corner and come up here and preach, and I just went over there real easy and said, hey, man, I hate to be the mask police, but, um, you know, we have an environment, and we're just trying to follow all the guidelines, and you're going to have to mask up to be in here. And you guys know that look when you have to be the mask police. Uh, you, you know, it's kind of like, Pff. and literally out of this person's mouth was, oh, so yet now you're the mask police also. And I was like, well, no, not really. I'm not trying to be the mask police, but I have people that are here and come here that are at high risk that come knowing that we're asking everybody to wear a mask. And so, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, and so I turned the corner and said, thank you very much and came up here. And as I came up here, here's what I'm, here's what I'm watching as I'm getting ready to encourage everybody. The person picked up their stuff, walked out the door, and has never come back. 
Are we out of our minds when a piece of material is the things we're going to fight about? And I'm sorry, my friend, if you're watching right now, I'm really sorry, but you offended me. I'm just telling you right now. I, I mean, come on. Isn't there bigger battles to fight? I mean, let's save our energy. Come on, everybody, because because there might be some battles that I need to make sure I didn't waste my energy <laughs> on some other things. Come on, am I right? And uh, and and I don't know. Maybe I gave this a little thought, and I just uh, I, I know that just made some of you uncomfortable that I even talked about being offended. You know, but we got to watch out right now. Because right now everybody's kind of wound kind of tight. And, and it's really easy to be offended. It's tough being a communicator these days. <laughs> I mean, because every word gets analyzed. And, and, and I don't know, I, I've had to say, okay, I'm not going to take it personal. Because I think, I think that I kind of become a little bit of the picture. I'm just the poster child for what offends people. In fact, my wife tells me, your relaxing face is not a happy face. <laughs> like when you're just relaxing, you look like you could kill somebody. Yeah. And so then I try to put on a smiley face and I look like a creeper. You, you know, and, and so I'm just like the poster child for offense. I'm, I'm middle class, I'm middle age, uh, I, I own a gun or two, and... Uh, I'm a Christian, and I'm a pastor. Oh, man, that one just, woo! And I'm a pastor. As soon as people find out I'm a pastor, they tell me everything they're against. And I'm too liberal for most of my Christian friends. Uh-oh. And I'm too conservative for all my other friends. And I just don't even try. It's my gift. It's just my gift. And I just wonder, whatever happened to the ability just to be who you are? Whatever happened to the ability to say, come on into my open circle and, 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 and I'll accept you, but that means you've got to accept me. Come on, everybody, right? And um, yeah, being offended. And here's the challenge. The challenge is that while people are offended especially when you feel that you might be the cause of the offense, or especially when you're susceptible in a time that is tough to be offended, the question I have, or the challenge I have, is how do I keep my heart happy, healthy, full of joy in a world where I'm trying to walk the tension between. How many have ever been on an airplane and, and been in severe turbulence? Any, anybody here? Let me just see your hands. Um, like, like severe, you know, like the whole plane drops 10,000 feet at one time where the whole, all, all the atheists in the airplane say, oh Jesus, you know, the, that kind of turbulence, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? I was on a flight, no kidding, I was on a flight from uh, Minnesota back to Michigan at the time, and we were hitting turbulence that was so crazy. I mean, it was like, oh, Jesus, Jesus. I was praying like serious prayers. And then our, our left engine in the, it, it, I don't know if the turbulence, but it caught fire. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
and, and the airline pilot, he came on and said, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we're going to be all right. We, we have uh, more than one engine. Then the other engine. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and, and we have more than one engine. We're going to make an emergency landing in Wisconsin. Uh, but there's really, as severe as it looks, there's really nothing to be concerned about other than the turbulence kept going. And no kidding, the guy sitting right in back of me, the rest of us are praying. But the guy right in back of me, is cussing the pilot out. He is so mad. It's like he spilled his drink or something. You know, he's so mad. And, and I heard him say things like, I am never going to fly again. I'm never going to get on this airline again. If I see that pilot, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And I thought, what the funny thing about it is that he lived to be able to tell that story. In other words, he made it through the storm. Sometimes I feel like that pilot. I'm just trying to help navigate people through a storm. I can't help the turbulence, everybody. Come on. I'm going through the same turbulence that everybody else is going through. And Jesus says something. I won't get to it tonight, but Jesus says something when he's talking about John the Baptist that we'll get to somewhere around part three. Jesus made this crazy statement, and he said, Blessed are the people, or blessed are those who are not offended. Whoa. So that means if I want to be blessed, I have to learn how to be unoffendable. Mm. Being unoffendable is the, the ability to walk in forgiveness. And, and, and it's fundamental to our walk with Christ. Come on, say it through the Mass. Say it with me, fundamental. Fundamental. Being able to walk in forgiveness is fundamental to our faith. It's fundamental to our walk with God. The other day, did anybody watch the Seahawks the other night, last night? Woo! Well, before the game, I was watching ESPN, and, and they were uh, interviewing Russell Wilson, or they were talking about him, rather, and, and somebody made this statement. said they've lost the last three out of four games, and it's because Russell Wilson is trying to take too much of the responsibility and doing too many things. And one of the commentators made this statement. It said, Russell Wilson needs to get back to the fundamentals. Ah. I'm not so sure that that isn't good advice for some Christians right now. I'm not so sure that some Christians shouldn't get, just get back to some old-fashioned fundamentals. And if we're going to look at the manual of fundamentals, forgiveness has to be in chapter number one we got to learn how to walk in forgiveness. Right, everybody? And, and I think that the reason that, that life has beat us up and stole our lunch money is because we've lost the fundamentals of forgiveness. Does anybody notice, anybody play sports or play an instrument or, you know, the fundamentals? Here's one thing I've learned about fundamentals. Fundamentals, fun, fun, fundamentals are never natural. Fundamentals are things we have to constantly work on. Fundamentals are things that professional athletes that have been playing for years and years and years, like Russell Wilson, has to go back to the fundamentals. And I'm not sure that this series isn't about us returning to some fundamentals of Christianity. An offense is the prison door of unforgiveness. And when we get offended and we harbor it, we start unfor no forgiveness and it begins to grow bitter roots in our life. Offense is the new language of our culture. Have you noticed that? 
But, but forgiveness has always been and has not stopped being the language of God. Offense is the language of our culture, but forgiveness is the language of God. Are you guys still glad you came tonight? <laughs> now, now watch this. Let's just talk about the enemy for a minute. The enemy has a strategy, and he has a goal. We know the enemy is out to rob, kill, and destroy, right? right? But the enemy's agenda, watch this, the enemy's agenda is to divide. The enemy's agenda is to create division. By the way, that's how, that, that's how we ever learned about the devil. When he was one of the angels in heaven, the thing that he did was try to divide heaven. And so the enemy's agenda is division because he knows that our power, watch this, our power is in unity. The power in your home is in unity. The power of our nation Mm-hmm. I, I know most of us in this room, I, I know we think the power of our nation is by which person takes the presidency and moves into the White House. No, my friends, the power of our nation is in the ability to disagree with one another, but walk with our arms linked with those that we don't agree with. Come on, somebody. And, and so if his agenda is division, oh, by the way, let me finish the thought. The power of the church is not in our theology. It's not in our style. It's not in who has the trendiest, coolest, what pastor has skinny jeans on, and who serves the best coffee. Our power is when the body of Christ, the people of God, come together, not in place Simon says, but have unity. Can have differences, but we have unity. That's our power, everybody. And it doesn't take brain surgery to see that's exactly what the enemy is attacking right now in our churches, in our homes, and in our nation. Can I get an amen on that? He knows our power is in unity. He knows God works through unity. Read Acts chapter number 2 and see. And, and so to, to, to create division, his strategy then, he, he has an agenda, and his agenda is division. But his strategy is offense. If I can get you offended. Now you good Christian people, I'm not going to get you all sideways on the main, you know, the, the nasties. The obvious is, but if I can get you offended, if I can get you mad at the very church that, is, that God is using to bless your life, oh, and I can cut you off from it. Ah, let me just go out there and say this. If America crumbles, that's just a big if, but if America were to ever to crumble, some might be arguing it already is crumbling. I'm not going there. But just hypothetically, if America begins to crumble, it's not going to be because of all the things that we think it is. It's going to be because we are in a nation that is filled with offenses, and the offenses have created division. The, offense, the offenses have separated neighbors. And, 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 and we might be guilty also because we got fences and lines between denominations and theology and style. Come on, somebody. And if America crumbles, it's really going to be because of our division. I mean, come on, look at our families. Look at what's happened in the power of family. It's because the family has been divided. Look what's happened in our politics. It's because it's divided. Look what's happened in our churches. It's because they're divided. 
And, 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 and in this series, what I hope to do is show you how we can live a blessed life, but it's going to have to be a life that's willing to be unoffendable. And so I want to start with one Bible character. You guys still good out there? I can't tell if you're looking mad at me or not. It's kind of scary, especially with skull masks on. Thank you, AJ. Appreciate that. That's good life-giving mask you got on there. I like that. It's biblical. I know. I know. The wages of sin is death. I know. I get it. All right. <laughs> I love you, buddy. So let's start with this guy that most of us in this room know, and his name's David. And we're just going to do a little storytelling tonight. So, so his story begins in 1 Samuel chapter number 16, okay? This is David. Remember David that killed Goliath? Okay, so let me give you a little context, and then we'll go to some scripture. So, so God tells Samuel, I want you to go out and find the next king of Israel. Saul, you know, he's into some weird stuff. He's asking witches for advice. I mean, he's jealous. He's mad. He's fits of rage. And so it's time for a new king. And so I'm going to send you to Jesse's house. And Jesse has a bunch of boys. And, and, and I'm going to show you which one's going to be the next king. And so, so Samuel goes out. He goes to Jesse's house. And he says, God has told me to come here. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And one of your boys is going to be the next king. Wow. Now, don't you think if you're a dad and you got some sons and, and one of your sons is getting ready to be the main man, like, this is a good day, right? You would think that I'm going to get everybody in the house. And so Jesse gathers everybody in the house except for one. And it's a great place. It's a great opportunity for David to become offended. Let's look at the story, and then we'll build on it. 1 Samuel, chapter number 16. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Send for him. We will not sit down until... He arrives. Now, it, it, it's not real obvious just in, in, in picking that portion of Scripture out, but what I want you to see is I want you to notice the rejection that's right there. If I'm dad and my next, the, my, the next king is going to be one of my sons, I want to make sure you get a good look at every one of them because there's some benefits to being the father of the king. How many know what I'm saying, Right. But I want you to understand, because sometimes we read these stories and we leave out the humanity, that all the brothers got an opportunity. Eliab passed before him, and all of them came. But I want you to notice that David was not even worthy. David was not even counted worthy to be brought into the room as a consideration. Don't raise your hand, but you can amen. Have you ever just felt like, huh? Do you know what it feels like to not even be invited into the room? I'm not even good enough to be in that room. I'm not even a consideration. And David's life opens with this great opportunity, a, a, a great opportunity to be offended. And, and I wonder, I just wonder if our present offenses might have something to do with the roots of the past rejections. I'm so offended right now, but it's really not about right now. I can't stand women. But it's really not about the one woman you're married to. Uh, I can't stand men. It's really not about him. It's about 
I don't like our president. It's really not about him. It's about anybody that's in authority. Come on, everybody. I just wonder if our present offenses, uh, if they're not right there on the surface because there are roots of past rejection. Dad didn't even believe in me. He didn't even call me in the room. Everybody else got a shot. I didn't get a shot. They didn't even, he didn't even know I existed. I'm on the backside of some hill somewhere watching after daddy's sheep serving him. And I could get offended. And, 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 and my rejection could lead to my offense. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but that's how it worked out in my life. Dad left. I've told you the story. He left the night I wrecked the go-kart. I grew up thinking if I wouldn't have wrecked the go-kart, I grew up feeling that I was rejected, and because I was rejected, let me tell you, I, I'm easily offended. Mm-hmm. Walk out on me when I'm getting ready to preach. I will hold a grudge like you don't even know. You know? Come on, everybody. I want you to know something. David's story, it's, it's interesting. I want you to notice, if you'll read this, you, you'll see it later. David's story starts off, he's alone in the field. He's alone. Alone in the field. The story goes on, he becomes chosen, he gets anointed to be the new king. And you know the story, he goes out, he kills Goliath, he sings some songs for Saul, he writes some cool psalms, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Saul starts Throwing spears at David. Now watch this. David is anointed to be the new king. He should be living in the kingdom. He should have some rights. He should have some privileges. He started alone in the field. He kills Goliath. He serves his new, his new authority. His father authority left him alone. Now his new authority, he's going to move out of the kingdom Wait a minute, I have the right to be here. Our rights are what get us in trouble a lot. Now, I know when I say that, everybody's going to get all patriotic on me. But we mistake our American rights and our Christian rights. Our American freedoms and our Christian freedoms. I have some rights. I have a right. And those are the things that we usually get offended on. And here he is alone again, living in the caves. He's killed Goliath. He wrote songs for Saul. But he's all by himself again. But here's what I like about David. Watch this. He still ended up being king. How come? Because I would submit to you, it's because he was willing to live a life that was unoffendable. And I'm wondering if he would have got offended if he would have ever made it to the kingdom. Because God already had somebody like that in the kingdom. He already had somebody that was jealous. He already had somebody that was offended. He already had somebody that would retaliate. He already had somebody that would throw spears. Come on, somebody. But I'm wondering if God doesn't have some promotions for the rest of us Davids in the room if we would refuse to get offended and can keep on keeping on even when we're all alone and it feels like the rest of the world is against us. Mm. I, I, I just wonder if he's looking for the person who is able to live with some pain. Uh. Mm. See, I think if you can't live with any pain, you're going to miss out on a lot of promotions in life. Mm -hmm. 
I think maybe he's just looking for somebody that can live with a little bit of pain. Maybe, maybe somebody that can experience some rejection and keep on trusting God. Maybe somebody that can be gossiped about. Maybe somebody that can be lied about. Maybe somebody that knows what it is to be mistreated in a Facebook thumbs up world. You don't get all the thumbs up. I wonder if those are the people that God, is it the unoffendable that God is ready to bless? Jesus said, blessed is he who's not offended. And maybe promotion comes to those that can live above the offense, alone. David was alone. He had some success. He had to be alone again. And then he was given the kingdom, alone. Here's what I mean. Alone, meaning I don't have to have the support of everybody. Hmm. I don't have to have the support. When I'm offended, I don't have to get a bunch of people around my offense That'll take my side. Come on, everybody. First Samuel chapter number 18 talks a little bit about that. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him. See, what was happening is they were going out to war, and they would come back into town, and everybody was singing about how great David was doing, but they weren't singing about how great Saul was doing. Mm-hmm. So, watch this. So, in other words, Saul was offended, and Saul got rejected by God. But David wasn't offended, and David got promoted by God. Hmm. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly, the refrain that they were singing. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. Doesn't that sound like kindergarten? <laughs> Sounds like stuff I read on faith. No, I mean, sorry. Saul... Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it. I mean, what kind of world are... I I mean, I know you've had it bad at work, but I don't think any of you have ever had one of these thrown at you at work. If you have, may I please advise, get a new job. I mean, I know it's rough out there, and I know I'm a pastor, and I don't get it, and I live in my little bubble, but when somebody starts throwing these at you... Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it. I love that word. He hurled it. I mean, it's like, I'm going to get you. I am going to cut you. You Oh, sorry. All right. Saying to himself, I will pin David to the wall. And I love this. But David eluded him. Doesn't that sound fancy? He he eluded him. I like that. Uh, he alluded. One other translation says he dodged. <laughs> he dodged him. Mm-hmm. The King James Version says that instead of Saul was very angry right there, the King James Version says Saul grew in his madness. He grew in his madness. He started boiling and he couldn't let it go. Does anyone feel like the world is getting angrier every day? Hmm. Uh, we don't get our way, so let's riot. We don't get our way, so let's burn something down. If I put the wrong political poster in my yard, my car will get keyed. Come on now, right? What do you do? Hold on. What do you do? It's one thing when I got a Goliath, but it's another thing when I got Saul living with me in the same kingdom, in the same house, under the same roof, I, I, I can deal with the Goliaths. 
But while I'm all up in here playing my harp and worshiping God, I was not expecting that. That kind of took me by surprise. So what do you do when those that are in the same kingdom as you start throwing spears at you? I'll tell you what we do. I'll tell you what a lot of people do. Oh, no, oh no you didn't. Oh, no, not, not quite yet. Hold on. Let me find a Bible verse first that applies to my offense. You know, let me just pluck one out of the entire Bible that I can make it say whatever I want to say. Can't believe they're closing down church. Thou shalt not have a spirit of fear. Okay, I better put my spear away. I just, I better put my spear away. Because, oh no, you didn't throw a spear at me. Uh, you're not going to get away with that because I'm strong. I'm an American. I'm not a pushover. I will fight. I will stand up. I'm going to fight. David didn't. Wait a minute. David was a man of war. David fought. David knew what enemy to save his energy for. And I, I love, I, he didn't throw spears back. He dodged. I wonder if it's time for us to learn how to dodge. I wonder if we would go back to fifth grade, put a line down the middle of this room. Mark, you be a captain, I'll be a captain. We'll choose teams, get the big rubber balls out, and start pegging people. Huh? Let's play some dodgeball. Man, you guys act like that sounds fun. Come on, man. You bunch of hoodlums. Come on now. How do you dodge? Let me give you three points real quick. How do you dodge? Number one, remember you're a rock thrower, not a spear thrower. Say, I don't get it, Ken. I don't understand. Why was David allowed to throw a rock at Goliath but not a spear at Saul? In essence, weren't both of them trying to kill him? In essence, weren't both of them an enemy? No. Goliath, watch this, was of another kingdom. Come on, are you guys following that? Let me say it again. Let me say it another way. Goliath, first of all, was metaphorical of a devil, of a giant in our way. But he was of one tribe. He was of one kingdom, right? Saul was of another kingdom. Let me say it one other way. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of this dark world. In other words, we ought to throw rocks. We ought to war. We ought to save our fighting. We were created to fight. And when we don't have a fight, we start fighting with one another. We were created to throw rocks at the enemy. We were created to do warfare with an enemy of our soul. We were not created to throw spears at those that live under the same house as we do. Come on, everybody. Are you hearing that? Number two. Number two. What's number two? Stay out of the company of all spear throwers. If you're looking for something more profound, that's all I got. Just, I, it doesn't take long to find out. Because if I hang out with spear throwers, I'm going to become a spear thrower. Now, before you put number three up there, please don't put it up there until I say go. Because I'm getting ready to offend somebody with number three. And it, it needs to be qualified. Can you guys handle number three? Before you get mad, let me talk about it. 
Number three, keep your mouth shut. Thank you, Kathy. Appreciate it. Now, hold on, because I need to qualify this. Because if you've been abused, and if you've been hurt, and you've been taken advantage of, you shouldn't keep your mouth shut. But if opening your mouth is the purpose of dividing the kingdom, listen, when David left the kingdom, listen, he's playing a harp, a spear. Whoa, what was that? The Bible says twice, whoa, what in the world? My spiritual authority is throwing spears at me? Someone from the same house is throwing spears at me? David confided in one confidant who happened to be Jonathan, Saul's son, and he quietly left. Here's what blows my mind about this. He didn't tell anybody. He didn't try to gather a bunch of people and say, do you know what he did to me? Can you believe what he... Now, David could have had the support because remember, tens of thousands were singing his praises. Everybody was saying, "Woo, you the man, you the man, you the man. So David could have leveraged his popularity and said, come on, let me tell you, you can't believe what he said to me. You can't believe the spears he threw at me. But David left in silence. David refused to split the kingdom of God. David refused to depart having a bunch of people around him. He quietly tiptoed out and said, what's going on with me and Saul is between me, God, and Saul. Many of you have heard me tell this story over and over, but in 2011, I left this town. I was hurt in ministry, ready to leave ministry. You've heard me tell that a million times. But when I left, before I left, I had a whole bunch of people come say, man, why don't you just stay? And why don't you just go ahead and plant a church? And I had a lot of people said, man, we will follow you. We will support you. We can just start a church together. But I knew if I would have done that, believe me, my flesh wanted to do it. Come on, I was invested. I was here. I wanted to just say and, and get all the people around me that believed in me and took my side. Come on. I wanted to, but no, no. I had the expense of going all the way back to Michigan, waiting four years for all of the old stuff to go ahead and pass under the bridge. Come on, somebody. Because if I would have started Radius in 2011, it would have all been started on a fence and division, and it wouldn't have stood. But when we can come back, blessed are the peacemakers. Come on somebody come on we got to live unoffendable so David goes back out into the caves I want you to see something it's lonely out there I could have been in the kingdom it's lonely driving back to Michigan it's lonely in these caves it's lonely seasons when you have the spears thrown at you and you can't talk to anybody about it and when you can't talk to people about it, people fill in their own narrative. And that'll only tempt you more to defend yourself. But let me tell you, somebody needs to hear this. God does some of his best work in those alone, lonely, can't talk to anybody seasons of your life. And if you honor him by not being offended, he will come back and honor you. How much time do I got? Okay, 
Once again, I'm out of time. Let me hit this real quick. So you guys know the story. Saul's chasing David, and, and David and his now mighty men are in the back part of a cave. Saul comes in. The Bible says to relieve himself. And, and, and it must have been, sorry, I don't mean to be graphic, but it must have been a number two, not a number one, because it took a little while. Because David's men tempted him, said, this is your time. God has allowed, he has delivered him into your hands. And now's your time that you can go and kill Saul. David says, no, I can't do that. So he creeps up, you guys know the story, and he cuts a corner off Saul's robe. And then down in verse number 8, you can give me the scripture reference, there it is if you want to know it. And in verse number 8 though, David comes out of the cave, sees Saul in the distance and holds up the corner of the, and he repents. Because even that, even that was taking things into his own hands. Oh, it's hard. When you know you've been anointed to do something and somebody's lied about you, gossiped about you, it's easy to be offended. Am I right, anybody? But David would rather die than become a spear thrower. David would rather die than to let hatred grow in his heart. Now let me take you to the last part of this story. Let's just imagine for a minute, if you could, I want to fast forward, and I want you to imagine with me this whole idea that, let's just say David is dead and gone, but maybe some of his mighty men are still alive. They're retired. They're old warriors, you know. They're just, not too many warriors make it to a ripe old age, but this one particular guy did. This is just my, my version of how I've read and if you would just imagine with me for, for, for just a moment, if, if you would just imagine with me, here comes an apprentice who wants to be a mighty warrior for the next king. And, and, and so the best way to learn how to do that is go talk to one of the mighty warriors of David. David's dead and gone. Most of the mighty warriors are dead and gone. But there's one guy I heard about down there, and here's the knock on the door. The old warrior gets up, opens the door. He doesn't look like a mighty warrior anymore. His hair's turned gray. His whiskers are gray and his beard is scraggly. His face is weathered. Just for the sake of the story, let's add some battle scars in there. He can barely get up out of the chair because of all the fighting he's done. And the new apprentice warrior walks in and says, I've come to ask you some questions because I, I want to be what you were. He says, so I have some questions. Uh, I, I, I want to know, know, first of all, how did King David become so great? No, better yet, instead of asking, how did David become so great, how did you know that he was worth fighting for? Oh, I, I, I'm just imagining this part. You can try to find it in the Scripture. It's not there. But I could just see him with his old battle spear. Maybe just whittling a little bit. I don't know. What do old men do? I don't know. Just whittling. I don't know. How did you know? See, I'm getting ready to lay down my life for the new king. But how do you know that he is worthy of me fighting for him? 
Maybe the apprentice went on to say something like this. Well, you know, it sounded like David was a little bit afraid of Saul. You know, I mean, after all, he ran away from Saul. I mean, he was a harp player, you know. He probably wore a cardigan too. I, I don't know. I mean, come on. Was he really all that? Was he? And the old warrior, oh, no, my king. My king was not weak. My king was a great warrior. Oh, well, well, then maybe your king was strong. I mean, after all, he did, he did kill Goliath, and he was a man of war. And I could see the old soldier, the old warrior saying, no, no, <laughs> my king wasn't weak. But come to think of it, he wasn't really strong all the time either. In case you forgot about that Bathsheba story, he wasn't strong all the time either. But the reason I fought for my king and the thing that made my king great is that he never threw spears. What made my king great was he lived his life unoffendable. My, my king never threatened me to serve. Ooh. Um, he showed me love and he showed me acceptance. I mean, after all, we were just a bunch of rejects that started gathering around him. Not like your king. Not like your king that has all these rules and not like your king that, that, that forces you to, and demands sameness in your life. No, my king wasn't like that. My king had this, come on, my king had an open circle. My king spoke life. Hello, somebody. We, you got to understand, I could just see his last little bit of fight firing up inside his old belly. And he's saying, you, you got to understand, we were a bunch of misfits, and we were all different, and we, were, we, we weren't Simon Says, and we weren't all the same, and we all had different opinions, uh, but love is what unified us. Ah! Mm. And, and when we fought, make sure you understand, we weren't fighting against them. We were fighting for our unity. Ah, we, were, we were fighting for something bigger than flesh and blood. No, no, we didn't always agree with each other. Oh, no, no. There were plenty of squabbles in the back of the cave, but we don't want to talk about those days at all. We were a bunch of no-goods, a bunch of misfits, a bunch of rejects. All of us had our luggage, and all of us had our our dirty laundry. Come on. But we served a leader who accepted us. Uh, oh, oh, wait. The story's not over. You think the story's over? Let's, that was the young David. The young David had to not throw spears at Saul. But as David got older, another enemy rose up. Oh, we don't hear about that enemy too much. In David's youth, it was Saul that pursued him. But in his old age, it was his very son that tried to take him out. You know what made my king great? Just as he wouldn't kill Saul in the cave, he wouldn't overthrow Absalom. One day I heard him say, in my youth, I was no Absalom. And in my old age, I won't be a Saul. In my youth, I refuse to try to kick him off the throne like Absalom is trying to kick me off the throne. But in my age, I refuse to be a Saul to try to kill the one that's up and coming. 
My last words to my king, Mr. Apprentice, my last time I ever seen David, I thanked him. I thanked him for not dividing the kingdom. I thanked him for not throwing spears. I thanked him for not throwing spears and dividing a kingdom because it was the very kingdom that I lived in, that I ate in, that I slept in, that I was blessed by. And if he would have divided the kingdom, I might not be as blessed as I am today. So I thanked him for living a life that was unoffendable. Oh, And right before you depart, I know you came to write some notes, Mr. Apprentice. So just write these three things down. Number one, don't be offended by anything that you can't change. How many amens did I get on that one? Don't be offended. We are fighting right now about things that we can't change. I'm going to leave that. Number two, stop looking for the things to be offended by. Because if you look hard enough, you will find something to be offended by. Just stop looking. Change the way you look at things and the things you look at might change. And number three, give others the grace to be broken and not have to be perfect. Give others. My king, he wasn't perfect. My king did a lot of silly things. But I chose to give him the grace to navigate through this thing called life. Hey, maybe we could all take some advice from the old warrior. Right, everybody? Let's determine to be unoffendable. How about it, everybody, right? Come on, will you receive that tonight? I'm done. I'm all done.